0: Welcome back. One-on-one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. We're joined by Jim O'Connell momentarily, the head college basketball writer at the Associated Press. We'll be taking your calls. Jim, actually, are you on the line with us right now? Yes, sir. How's it going, Jim? Oh, great. All right, so we'll. I want to get right into it and talk about the elephant in this tournament, and that's Kentucky. Can Kentucky be stopped?
1: Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. They can lose a game, but... Uh... I don't think they will the way they're playing right now, but with the depth they have, with the defense they play, uh, you know, it's going to take a perfect game from an opponent and a bad game from Kentucky. And uh, that's happened a couple of times this year, but they still found a way to win those games. So uh, until they get probably to the regional finals, uh, I don't know if anybody's really going to be able to challenge them.
2: Now, Jim, this isn't my full question, but before I ask it, I just want to make sure you're not on the side of Larry Brown, are you, where you think Kentucky could make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference? Uh, no, I here. think that's ridiculous. <laughs> that, uh, yeah.
1: There's no way that could happen. It's just, uh, you know, that, that that's just saying something to, uh, yeah. to draw some attention.
2: Well, mm-hmm. he did a pretty good job of it. But in, you know, in more serious terms, they're undefeated, obviously. And, and going forward, you know, it's never happened in men's college basketball, but Do they need to go 40-0 for us to appreciate them as one of the greatest basketball teams, one of the greatest college basketball teams of all time?
1: Uh, if, if they finish with the O oh, on the right-hand side, they're going to automatically go into that category. But uh, I, I think they're good enough that, you know, if they make a run uh, and, and, and lose in the Final Four or lose in the championship game, people are still going to realize this was pretty exceptional. That uh, and, and they're really going to realize it when the NBA draft happens and just name after name gets yeah. called from these guys. So, it's uh, you know, they're pretty good. You know, and uh, I, I saw that Indiana team back in nineteen. 1976. And, um, you know, that was a, a perfect team. Five draft picks on that team and the way they played. Uh, but it's been a long time since anyone's been able to do it. And I saw some pretty good teams in the interim. Uh, but it's a tough thing to do to go unbeaten. And if these guys can pull it off, I think they deserve a niche in history as uh, one of the best ever.
0: You mentioned a team right there, but are there other teams you can think of in the past that have been as successful and as talented and will go on to the NBA as this uh, Kentucky squad will and has been?
1: Uh, The the 90-91 UNLV teams that won the national championship and then went the next year unbeaten until uh, Duke knocked them off in the national semifinals. Uh, They were pretty – I still can't believe Duke was able to find a way to beat them, and they they were that good, and it's – you know, to see a team like that and the players they had. all You know, all five of them went on to play in the NBA. Uh, Larry Johnson, obviously, best known all the Knicks fans around here uh, for what he did. But, uh, yeah, that was a pretty special team. That was, uh, you know, and, and the Duke team that won consecutive games, but they, they never won. They never went undefeated. All, you know, the, the SEC this year, it wasn't easy by any means but the bottom of the conference was really bad and you never got challenged once you got beyond those uh the teams at the top and you know Kentucky's always found a way to beat them this year so it's uh you know it's one of those things that you you can only beat who's put in front of you and uh, this team's been able to beat everybody that's come at them a couple overtime games. And, uh, you know, they're human. They have bad halves. They, they all don't come. But with nine of them being there, um, it's pretty tough for nine guys to have an off night on the same night. You can do it with three great players or even if you have a fourth or a fifth. But to have nine guys have a bad night, that's
2: that's going to take something special. Now, Jim, two of the teams you mentioned there, UNLV in the in the 90s, early 90s, and then Duke you got Jared Tarkanian and then Mike Krzyzewski two you know legendary college coaches and John Calipari has a bit of a weird legacy right now because of all the you know he's got the violations at the other schools and then people don't like the one and dones when he had you know John Wall and 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 Derek Rose but this year just seems a little different the Harrison twins came back and Willie Cauley Stein is an upperclassman now and it doesn't seem like it's the same kind of thing. If he or if he doesn't even pull this off this year with that perfect team, is John Calipari a coach that we eventually are going to remember in the same likes as guys like like Tark and Coach K? Well,
1: I think that uh, just like with Tark, when, whenever you bring his name up, one of the first things everybody talks about is his problems with the NCAA. And they were legendary and they were long – uh, he finally cleared his name on, on a lot of things, and uh, you know was elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame uh, with, with John Calipari. There, there's two vacated there for mm-hmm. UMass and Memphis, and uh, vacated is a bad word in the NCAA because yeah. uh, even though he was never personally implicated in anything, it was his program. Right? Uh, you know we kind of get flipping with that. Jim Beheim up at Syracuse, uh, you know they had the problem now, and everyone say, well Beheim had to know everything that was going on. Well, Calipari didn't. In those two instances, he was told that, you know, that it was okay and that he didn't have to know what was going on. So there's kind of a double standard there. But usually when somebody has words like vacated with them, it's going to take them a while. Jerry Tarkanian waited a long time to get to give that uh, speech, and then he did it from a wheelchair at the Hall of Fame. So I don't know how long they'll make John wait, but I think that vacated is a word that uh, just makes it tough for people to pull the trigger and vote for you.
0: Listen to one-on-one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. Chris Venezia and Matt Moore alongside me. On the phone list right now, Jim O'Connell, the head college basketball writer at the Associated Press. If you want to call and have questions about your bracket, questions about the tournament, 718-817-2752. Number again, 718-817-2752. Jim, we're talking about Kentucky, talking about some of the past great teams, but I want to move away and talk about some of the other teams that are favorites in this tournament, uh, top picks by a lot of other people making their brackets. Uh, One of them is Duke. And what are some of the things you like about Duke, and do you see them potentially being a champion in this tournament?
1: Uh, They definitely could. They're one of the the five or six teams that – uh, has the capability of winning six straight games. You know, that's the way, you know, Rick Patino said it great yesterday after Louisville just got by Cal Irvine. He said, you know, that uh, sometimes it's really harder to be the better team in the early games of the NCAA tournament. And uh, it is, you know, the other teams come with nothing to lose, and you see that in big seeds. Well, last night, uh, Robert Morris uh, went on a run and got within 10 at Duke. And uh, Mike Krzyzewski just called a timeout, and that team turned everything around, and that's what they're capable of doing. They're, they're not a deep but they can score quick. Uh, Okafor is just a big-time player. He's there, but they have the two guards, uh, Quinn Cook and Tyus Jones, and the two of them, you know, they're they're both point guards. They're both shooting guards. Uh, They do a great job of making it tough for you to match up with them. The only thing that scares me about Duke in a tournament situation is that pre-throw shooting hasn't been very good, especially Okafor. Uh And at the you know, end of a close game, you're going to be on the line. You're going to have to make them. And so that's going to be the question, I think, with Duke. But, uh, you know, that their, their players are just, uh, you know, uh, justice is coming along and just doing a, a great job as he's getting better and better. And, um, you know, when you start three freshmen and you're number one seed and considered a team that has a shot at the national championship, a, that's a pretty good season.
2: Now, now Duke is a, a one seed for a reason, just like Kentucky is, and Villanova and Wisconsin, the other one seeds. And although teams made runs, the 16 seeds could make a run at, at a time here or there, no one seed really had too much trouble getting through. But in your mind, which one seed do you think is the largest possibility of falling first? Uh, I guess just because of the matchup, it, it would probably have to be
1: Wisconsin, that if they get Arizona – uh, in the round of eight, that's going to be a tough game for them. Arizona's a, a really quick team, a really athletic team. Uh... You know, they, they like to get out on the break and go, and Wisconsin uh, is the kind of team that just they want to play a perfect game, They're not commit any turnovers. Uh, you know, with Kaminsky, he's such a tough matchup problem for you, a seven-footer who can go outside and come back inside. So, But I think that Arizona is the kind of team, I think Arizona is the one team that could beat Kentucky if they got a shot at him. so I think they could definitely beat Wisconsin. So I'd have to take one of them as the toughest matchup of the two. That's it.
0: Jim how excited are you or at least I'm excited for this western region in terms of some of the rematches you talked about Arizona Wisconsin that's a rematch but even coming up Arizona against Ohio State how much of a challenge is this western part of the bracket and how exciting are some of these games going to be
1: oh yeah it's, uh, you know that's one of the things that uh, you know I've, uh, I've been doing this for a long time and selection Sunday I know it's such a great day and uh, mm-hmm. you get it but all the arguing over seeds and where teams are that the seeds don't matter. It's matchups. It's who they put in the in the bracket with you. And uh, I can put teams in there that uh, you know could just really ruin your season. You know, just bad matchups for you. And I think in the West, there's a bunch of those like that. That uh, you know, you, you're going to see that in Arizona and uh, Ohio State. You know, Arizona's going to have to go and go against D'Angelo Russell and find a way to slow him down. He had a great first game and got and got Ohio State going. Uh, but, you know, uh, when teams have already met earlier in the season, sometimes that's a big advantage uh, to the team that, that isn't considered as good. They're going to have more tape. They're going to be able to go after it. They're going to be able to find little things. whereas the bigger team. Uh, usually just doesn't do that. So I think it's a big advantage for Ohio State uh, to, to have already played in this game and uh, to be considered the underdog right now. uh, But, you know, Dan Mott is a a really good coach, too. He doesn't get enough credit. And uh, I always tell people, if you want to know how good a program Ohio State's been, go back and look at no other program has been devastated by one-and-dones like they have. And uh, he just keeps loading up, and he's going to have another one this year in in Russell. And uh, he just keeps bringing those kind of players in. So, uh, you know, as good as Sean Miller's been coaching in the tournament, Dan Mott is a pretty good tournament coach himself.
0: You mentioned Sean Miller, Archie Miller, Sean's brother, the coach of Dayton. We have Margaret on the line from the Bronx. She wants to ask you a question about those Dayton Flyers. Margaret, what do you got for Jim?
1: Hi, Jim. How are you today?
0: Oh, I'm great. How are you? Good,
1: thanks. Now that um, Dayton beat Providence, how do you think they're going to do in the rest of the tournament, especially like against Oklahoma the next day? Well, uh, this is the one that's unfair, and I figures you'd like a team that's getting an unfair advantage. And, uh, you know, Dayton got to play a home game uh, in the playing game, and uh, then they got to go to Columbus, Ohio, and had the crowd on their side and beaten Providence yesterday, but they've been playing really well. Uh, They're a pretty good team, and I think they can beat Oklahoma because Oklahoma's a real up-and-down team, and the way uh, Archie Miller's team plays, uh, it kind of reminds me of the great coaches like Janie Morris. From Cardinal Spellman, and you get coaches like that. So it's uh, Dayton has a chance to get a run, but I think it's going to be one that there's going to be an asterisk next to it because of where they played their first three games.
2: Uh, Margaret, yeah. thank you. Oh. thank you very much. Well, thank you, Margaret, for the call. Uh, Jim, let's stay in the in the Atlantic Ten a little bit and. Only three teams this year after such a massive outpouring of teams coming into the tournament a year ago for the A-10, and VCU has that real tough draw with Ohio State, one of the best 10-seeds you'll see, obviously, with D'Angelo Russell, and Davidson has a poor showing against a good Iowa team out as a 7-seed, but for Dayton, you know, do they have to go far to really prove the Atlantic 10's worthiness as a, as a conference a bit above other mid-majors?
1: No, it's going to hurt them what happened to Davidson yesterday, no doubt. I mean, to just get whack like that, yeah. uh, you never expect a Bob McKillop coached team uh, to have that happen to you, but that's the way Iowa is. You know, they've had games like that all season where they just came out and they look like one of the best teams in the country, and then they'd have another game where they were really down. But I, I think you know the A-10 uh, having the three teams in it, you know, that's a good number for that league. Last year was it was an aberration. I think you know you had a team like St. Louis that was all seniors and and was able to to make a run and get going. You know, VCU, if they were healthy this year, if Briante Weber doesn't get hurt, uh, who knows how they would have been? They probably would have. Won the Atlantic 10, and then Davidson wouldn't have had the setup if they'd come into the tournament. So I don't think Dayton. Has to go far for the Atlantic 10. Dayton has to go far for Dayton. That's a big thing, but I think that people are going to look at a conference overall. Like, you know, one of the things now is people saying all these crazy things about the Big 12 that, you know, because they got to such a horrible start, two number three seeds losing in the first round and, uh, you know, just not having a great time. Well, they're still a really good conference. And even though the ACC went 7 and 0 in its first weekend, uh, you know, what do you that doesn't affect the way that uh, the Big 12 is being looked at. So I think, you know, the Atlantic 10, it was different the way they came in. And Davidson, that's an inexplicable one. I just, uh, when that game was going on and, and the score just kept getting, the margin just kept getting wider and wider, I just really had a hard time believing that. So it's a, that's going to be, I think, the big thing everyone will talk about going to the offseason for the a 10 is what happened to Davidson.
0: We're speaking with Jim O'Connell, the head college basketball writer at the Associated Press. Uh, Jim, talking about you know the the A-10 right there, but a conference that has a chip on its shoulder, not football-wise, but basketball-wise, is the Pac-12. They go 4-0 and on the first day. I'm just wondering, when a conference plays well in the tournament, does that make it easier for them to get teams in the next year? And I guess also talking about the Pac-12, I just want to talk about how much success they've had early on. I know Arizona, but the Utah, the Oregon, big wins for them as well.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I don't think it, it doesn't affect the next year. I think every year is different. Uh, you know, the way they look at it, the, oh, the committee members, as long as I've been around them and uh, some of the great chairmen that I've gotten to know in this they they swear to you that they don't sit there and count conference teams when they're in the tournament, that when, it, when the field is done, they'll look and they'll say, oh, they got seven, they got five. Uh, they don't sit there the way we tend to and say, well, you know, uh, this conference has to have five teams get in. They, they don't do that. And uh, so I don't think it affects it. What I, what I think it does make a big effect on is uh, how the public looks at a conference the next year, and, um, you know, just look at UCLA right now. Nobody thought they belonged in the field uh, on Selection Sunday. That was the big thing, everybody talking about them, and they didn't deserve it. Well, now they're on their way to a second win in the tournament, and uh, how does that change things? And people look at it. Now all of a sudden those games that when you might have beat UCLA in a close game, now that becomes a good win now. And that's what I have a hard time with, too, about people getting into Selection Sunday it's what's a good win, what's a bad win is uh, what was considered just an average win going into the selection Sunday becomes a great win after a tournament run by another team. So you have to watch all that. I think that when you get to the NCAA tournament – you kind of, you know, we have a tendency to put everything together and say, you know, look at the conference and how they're doing. But I think everybody's on their own, and uh, you know, they maybe they they like a team in another conference to make a run. But when you're in this tournament, it's it's every man for himself. And uh, I think you look back at the end of it to see how a conference did and uh, make a difference. But the Pac-12 definitely, it, it's a lot different than it was. Their perception is a lot different than it was just a few weeks ago.
2: Now, Jim, obviously, some of the biggest stories of the beginning rounds of the NCAA tournament are double-digit seed upsets, and UCLA kind of pulls one off with that controversial call against SMU, but they're the lower seed taken on UAB, but now that that game's already in progress, UCLA's got a 14-point lead. UAB wasn't the only 14 seed to win. Georgia State with that unbelievable shot by R.J. Hunter at the end, and then... The incredible scene with Ron Hunter, the, the head coach, who's also the dad of R.J. Hunter, the star of the team, and he's got the torn Achilles. He falls off his stool. Uh, first part of the question, have you ever seen like anything like that in the NCAA tournament? And second question, obviously UAB would have to pull up a major comeback, but does Georgia State maybe have any chance of making a Cinderella run in this tournament?
1: Uh, Georgia State, uh, yeah. When you, when you can ride a shooter like R.J. Hunter, and um, you know they, they don't even have their leading scorer, Ryan Harrow, who uh, played at Kentucky and was right. on the championship team. He's been out with a with a hamstring injury, so they don't even have him. Um, you know, it, it, but when when you play the kind of game they're playing, uh, when you have one guy who you're looking to to be the scorer and he finds a way to do it, you you can win games. And they're going up against Xavier now, and uh, you know Xavier is a team. That uh, they're not really flashy. They don't do. They just do enough to get by and win, and that's the way they got into the Big East championship game. And uh, but I think it's a game definitely Georgia State can win. And when you look at UCLA, how amazing is it that uh, a number eleven seed wearing white uniforms? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's uh, sometimes when you're uh, up above a nine seed, you don't even bring the white uniforms <laughs> with you because you don't think you're going to use them. But, uh, you know, but that's the great thing about the first round of the tournament. And that's the thing about, you know, is seeding – we, we make it into something so specific that there are people who are saying, well, this team's a, a nine seed. This team's an 11 seed. This is, well, you know, once you get to a certain point, uh, after you, you see the top four teams in each bracket, I, I don't think the numbers matter. You could almost throw them in a hat and bring them out. And, you know, it's whether a team is riding high like UAB was. Uh, they, they came together in the tournament and it was on their home court, and then they took advantage of it to get a big win the other day, a crushing win, really. Uh you know against uh, Iowa State but they uh you know you, this is where you can make your name and and there are guys who have been coaches that uh, created scenes you, you can never forget, but you don't hear from them again. And there are other coaches that, that do things and, and ride a kid, and now all of a sudden they have a much bigger job, and they become a coach in, uh, in one of the big conferences. Look at uh, Andy Enfield from Florida Gulf Coast just a couple of years ago. He's now the head coach of Southern Cal. Nobody ever would have thought that would have happened until he gets that great run going and he's playing on the second weekend. So these are the games. uh and, and haven't seen this tournament so long, These, this round right here, when you're playing to get to next weekend, because next weekend – is the basketball weekend. That's where people, you know, the, the people who are picking teams by colors and nicknames and who just wanted to see how many they got right, they're done, their brackets are away. And next weekend is basketball weekend. And uh, that's the weekend that coaches want to get to. And you always see programs, they list, you know, sweet 16 appearances. That's the big number. And uh, so these are the games, you know, and, and the, the winner of this game, UCLA, UAB, boy, what a big run that is that you could go from being a double-digit seed to the second weekend. And um, that's a huge thing that, that you can do in this tournament, and that's why these games today, uh, you know, when the number one teams are playing, you figure they're going to win, but it's games like this that you get to look at. Um, and teams get a chance of, of making a run. And, uh, you know, th- these are the fun games. And uh, th- this is the weekend, uh, you know, kind of like it- it's for everybody. And I think next weekend is the weekend where we get really serious about the basketball.
0: Jim, before we let you go, really quickly, Matt mentioned it briefly. UCLA, SMU, UCLA UCLA wins sixty to fifty nine controversial goaltending call on that. Did you think the referees made the right call?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I was watching the game live, and as soon as it happened, I, I, goaltending, it just it comes out of you. You don't even realize you're saying it out loud. Um, you know, the rule is that if a ball's on its way down toward the rim, you have to let it hit the rim before you touch it. And then people said, well, it wasn't going to go in. Well, if that ball hits the, the front of the rim, it bounces up and goes in. It bounces up and hits the backboard. You don't know which way it's going to go. No one does, and that's why the rule's there. So I think the ref made a good call. Uh, They went over to review it only to see whether it was definitely a three that Alford was behind the line, and he was. Uh, They can't review that. Maybe next year they will, but good Lord, I'm telling you, um, these reviews at the end of games, you know, people complain about timeouts and fouling people. Uh, It's when the referees go over and spend four or five minutes looking at Mm -hmm. angle after angle. Uh, you know, we're going to have to draw the limit someplace. And I don't know whether it's goaltending or something else they're going to do, but they just can't let every play be reviewed or, you know, it's just going to slow the game down. And that's one of the biggest problems people say they have with college basketball, so why make it even slower?
0: Finally, a bonus question from our executive producer, Bob Ahrens. Who do you think... I was going to win the tournament. Uh, well,
1: b- b- Sunday night uh, when the selection Sunday uh, when everything came out, I picked Villanova. Uh, I liked them when I, I covered the Big East tournament and I saw them every game and uh, even the close game when they beat uh, Providence and it was a. a, a a bad call at the end of that game but they found a way to win it the other games they shoot threes they have so many people who can shoot threes that they don't need well, just one guy to ride it they can have a couple so um, hey and if they win Jay Wright gets a new suit and we
2: all love to see Jay's <laughs> new suits maybe he'll give me an old one I can have it uh, let out it's still probably nicer than most suits any of those have so.
0: yeah. uh, I, I can say it's definitely nicer than my suits <laughs> Jim O'Connell we threw a lot out here the head, bas- co- the head college basketball writer at the Associated Press taking all of our questions all about the tournament. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thanks,
1: Jim. No problem. Glad to do it.